0: 1 Peter chapter 5 and let's let's pray. Father again we come to you asking that you humble us. We are but vessels of clay and are often foolish. Give us wisdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I noticed the passage you chose follows Eutychus falling out of the window because Paul spoke so long. Uh, Hopefully nobody's sitting in the windowsills at the moment. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5. Actually, I'm going to read the context like Mark did because that's a good idea, so we'll read 1 through 7. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. As we come This morning to welcome Jeremiah into the pastorate of our church, it's now my job to bring a charge to you, the congregation. It is to be a reminder that Jeremiah is one of us as an elder of this congregation. It is to be a call to both celebrate that there are more shoulders to carry the burdens of this ministry and an admonition to treat him just as you would Mark or myself Yet, I also feel this pull to talk about how all of this relates to the way that you treat one another as well. You see, so often, ministry is treated like a business. So you have the customers and the employees, and this is the business model that has become the church. Yet, this should not be the case. The scriptures tell us that we are a family. And that within this family, everyone has varying responsibilities. It's my hope this morning, in the short time that I have, to show that both things are true and necessary for our church to remain healthy in the coming years. That is, humble respect and love for leadership, and humble respect and love for one another. This text starts with the word likewise. So as we come to it, it's necessary to understand what Peter has said previously. He has been speaking to elders, just as Mark has just finished giving a charge to Jeremiah. And he has said some surprising things. First, he calls himself a fellow elder. This is quite astounding. He is one of the apostles. He has eaten with Jesus. Elsewhere, he has written that he and Paul are writing scripture. Yet he calls himself equal with all of the other elders in the church who are not apostles who have not seen Jesus in the flesh. And this shows, in some ways, there is no hierarchy of leadership. We work together as equals. In this, we see that elders are equals, not rulers, like we would see in earthly political systems, wielding power and authority over one another with their tiny little kingdoms. They are brothers, equal in value, but with different responsibilities. Further, he commands them to shepherd or exercise oversight of the flock of God. Notice that the language is the same as the text that Mark spoke on two weeks ago when Peter is before Jesus and and Jesus is bringing him back, telling him to shepherd his flock, asking him if he loves him. And again, today with Acts, we are to shepherd the flock. But notice that they are to do so willingly, Eagerly and not domineering. In other words, they are to do so humbly by being examples to the flock instead of merely ruling over them and telling them to do things that they themselves would never willingly do. That was actually uh, one of the great criticisms that Jesus laid on the Pharisees, that they made up rules that they themselves wouldn't follow. So we see that Peter is called elders to humble leadership toward the congregation. And now we come to the likewise. That is, likewise the congregation is to act in humility towards their elders and one another. We see this in verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think first we need to deal here with the issue of you who are younger. Peter here is not speaking of age, though that is how the language feels. Rather, he's speaking in regards to responsibility. It's here that I think we have to deal with the question of what the title of elder is, or what does it mean? We often use the word pastor, but the word is elder, elder, pastor, presbyterios, if we're going to be Greek, right? The title actually comes from the Old Testament, and it's a family language. The original elders in Israel were the chiefs of the 12 clans. Later, as the clans grew, there were elders over different families within those households who answered to an elder over the whole clan. We get this picture of Jesus and the pastoral care that pastors had over their part of the family. They were the elder brothers in the clans that were designated with the honor of leading their collected family. It's true that they had a measure of honor in being the elder brother, but they also had all of the responsibility for the well-being of the household. And as the household thrived and flourished, so did their honor. But if the household withered and shriveled, particularly because of their foolishness or lack of oversight, their honor also shriveled. This is the background for what we see in the New Testament for eldership. We as a church are gathered together as a great spiritual family, and God in His providence has determined that Mark, Jeremiah, and myself are to be the elder brothers of this fellowship. Much like Peter, we see you all as equal in value to us. We recognize that we are family, and yet, what is in some sense terrifying is that your well being is our responsibility. We've been charged to keep you healthy. And to care for you as well as care for one another and to hold one another accountable. This is no game. This is no competition. It is life and death and we love you dearly. It's a heavy charge. This is why Peter exhorts us to lead willingly and not out of compulsion or a a sense that this is some heavy labor that we have to do even though we're not willing to do so. It's a burden but it's a glorious one for those of us who have been charged to bear it. I know for the three of us it is a genuine joy even in the darkest of times. So here when Peter says younger ones, he is intending the rest of the spiritual family in the greater sense of the spiritual household where the elder brothers are charged with leadership. He means the lambs. Yet what charge does Peter lay at your feet? What has he commanded you? He says, be subject to your elders. Now, it would be nice to be able to say here that what is translated be subject means something other than submit. That there is some dark secret meaning in the Greek that just doesn't come across on the surface in English, but frankly it means submit. Yet I want to be clear here that it is not telling you to submit to my authority or Mark's or Jeremiah's authority because... We are some sort of special holy men who are untouchable. Neither is it saying that you should submit to us like you would some civil magistrate who can take your land and your livelihood. Rather, you are told to submit to our authority because of God's providence. Because God himself has placed us in this role for some reason that only he seems to know. You see, for good or ill, he has seen fit to raise us up to a position of leadership. He's brought us together to guide the church and to care for you spiritually. And the scriptures are clear that God raises up leaders for either the blessing or the cursing of a people. And we pray earnestly that our leadership would bless you. Yet it's God's providence that has placed us in this position, and we have to trust that He has equipped us to serve you well. It's also your responsibility to trust God in the same way. And listen to us as we seek to guide you scripturally. This is not to say that you cannot call our advice and admonition into question. Far from it, but you should do so cautiously. Hebrews 13 tells us this in verse 17. Obey your leaders and then submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as Jeremiah comes to lead, and as we continue in this task, I charge you to help us serve you. We will have to give an account to God for our actions. While we do have the responsibility to lead and make decisions, we will be weighed and measured for our obedience in ways that you will not. We are not up here because we like being in the spotlight and need to be trusted. Rather, we are constrained by the Holy Spirit and we can do no other. There will be a day when Mark, Jeremiah, and I will stand before the throne of God and we will give account for every word we have said, every command that we have given, every decision that we have made on your behalf. We will be judged more harshly because we want to serve you. It honestly scares me. I know my shortcomings. I know my foolishness. I know that Mark and Jeremiah are both aware of their shortcomings as well. But, friends, we love you. We love you so much. We want you to grow in your knowledge of the truth. We yearn to see you mature. Enable yourselves to teach the Scriptures to your neighbors. We long... Pardon We long to see this congregation thrive. We long to see Christ glorified in our midst. And because of these things, We readily, maybe foolishly, take on the task of shepherding this flock. Yet if this is our task, which, though terrifying, is a delight to us, what does this submission on your part look like? We see this in the second half of verse 5, going into 6 and 7. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Now, I spent 13 minutes on just part of the verse. I promise the rest will not be as long. Now, you need to see here that what Peter is doing in this text is saying the same thing. Twice in different ways. He says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God gives grace to the humble. And he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you. He is saying here that one of the ways that you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Is to clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. This is not something that you do alone in your prayer closet. This is not something you do in your personal devotional time. It is something that must be done here together in community with one another. Again, it also keeps us as elders from abusing you. It works two ways. First, you are told to be subject to us, but then we are told to be subject to one another as well. This shows that the natural tenor of the Christian life is one of submission and care for one another. Second... The elders are not excluded from this command. Yes, we are here to make decisions on behalf of the congregation. We still have the responsibilities commanded elsewhere in Scripture, but we are also to submit to you when we are wrong. We are not to make major decisions for this congregation in contradiction to the wishes of the congregation. Uh, Many things must be brought to a vote. There's a reason that we had you vote for Jeremiah, because we must submit To you, even as we lead you. But the unifying nature of the congregation as a whole, the way that this congregation shows that it is humbled under the mighty hand of God, is that we submit ourselves humbly to one another and care for one another. That we clothe ourselves with humility. That's actually why he uses the one another language here. The two groups being mentioned are the elders and the congregation. He is saying, first, submit to your elders, but also elders and congregation are in some way to submit to one another in mutual love. This means that we bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 5 gives us another picture of this, but with a clarifying twist. Paul points out that we do not submit to one another because of our respect for one another's wisdom or abilities or celebrity or any of those things. Rather, we submit to one another because of our reverence for Christ. And our trust in his ability to order things. It says in verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In fact James 5 tells us that we should confess our sins to one another. And pray for one another that we might be healed. The beauty of this is that as a family. Not an organization. As a family We are laboring together, arm in arm, for the same cause. There are, as I said at the beginning, varying responsibilities in this family, but there is equal honor, equal love, and equal respect. Finally, Peter leaves us with these words, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Human relationships are the breeding ground for anxiety and fear. I think in the past year we have all seen this in one way or another, even within this congregation. Yet notice where Peter takes us. He's doing a very Hebrew thing here. He's showing his heritage. He has told us that the congregation should submit to the elders. That the congregation should be humble, submitting to one another, and submitting to God. All these things. This huge relationship of humility towards one another and mutual love is in the end how we submit to God himself it is a picture of how we are the body of Christ and why Jesus says that we will be known as his disciples if we have love for one another God in his providence has placed us into this family He has given some of us the responsibility to lead the church, and He has placed us into our unique situations in life. As we relate to one another as a body, as we care for one another and pray for one another, we are casting our anxieties on Him. We are trusting the body of Christ to rightly represent Christ, and she does so when she is humble. Can we unite and trust His providence? Can we work together? I know that the three of us as elders do not look very impressive or flashy, but can you trust Christ's judgment to raise us up as your leaders? What is beautiful is that the very existence of this congregation is a sign that He cares for us, that He's provided us a means to pray for one another, to care for one another, and to hear from His Word. It is a tangible gift that allows us to get a taste of the coming kingdom. Let us work together to steward this gift of God well. I want to close with some quick observations from this text. First, we as a congregation need to recognize that humility preserves peace within the church. And it is pride that promotes distress, anxiety, and division. These two cannot mix and will not mix. Second, the proud, according to this text, are enemies of God. This means that He actively wars against the arrogant, and they war with Him, even as they sit in pews and carry their Bibles. Proverbs 3 tells us that they are in league with Satan himself. It is a dangerous thing to give in to pride in general, but deadly for yourself and the congregation when there is spiritual pride in the church. We must be humble. Third, we need to recognize that humility itself is a gift of God. It is proof that the Holy Spirit is active among us. Matthew Henry tells us that where there is genuine humility... There is more grace for wisdom, faith, and holiness. We will never grow individually or together if there is not a proper measure of humility. Notice it says, Humble yourselves before God, and He, He will exalt you in due time. It's a plural here. The apostle is telling us as a church Elders and congregation, to humble ourselves together. This is something that must be done as a gathered body, as a family gathered in unity. Certainly you must humble yourself before the Lord individually. But here the language is plural to show that we cannot do this alone. We cannot submit ourselves one to another unless we are together linked arm in arm, striving for the glory of Christ. We cannot spread the light of the gospel of Christ to White House and to the world unless we clothe ourselves with humility towards one another, unless we bear one another's burdens, unless we recognize the Lord's providence in raising up simple men into leadership. There will always be a temptation to compare us to the next great preacher. Or in light of this podcast, or that podcast, and the list could go on, but I submit to you that none of those men that you will listen to online will pray for you and care for you like the three of us will. As I charge you to respect and recognize Jeremiah as one of your pastors, I wanna charge you and ask you, dearly, family, to recognize that the Lord has called us to this task. We know that we are flawed, we know that there will be mistakes. I'm thankful that God is wise enough to factor my foolishness into this ministry and somehow make even my foolishness good for the church in some strange way. He wastes nothing. But will you recognize that? Will you lend grace where it's needed? Will you lend the same grace to one another? As we grow together, as we serve together, and as we learn together, there will be growing pains. But our Lord, who has ordained all things, knew this before the foundations of the earth and decided that it would be for our good and for his glory to go through. Not many wise, not many noble, just simple folks seeking to be faithful. That's who we are. We don't have flashy signs or all the crazy stuff because we recognize who we are so let us bravely serve one another in humility casting our anxieties on god for we know without a doubt that he cares for us and his love is not fickle it never wavers for he does not change let's pray